Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Happy Benny Hinn Sunday, everybody. You fell back. That's what happened. And so about five of you got that joke, but I loved it. I was excited for it. Uh, good morning. If you got your Bibles, head over to Acts 20. That's where we are today. Acts chapter 20. Some of you, we're figuring out the joke like right now in the room. It's really fun. Uh, Acts 20, head over to Acts chapter 20. And uh, hey, I do just want to call your attention to um, you are one week before what is one of my two favorite weeks of the entire year in uh, worship gatherings at Lake Point. So guys, next week we are really excited. It's Baptism Sunday and you will see next week over 100 people baptized at our church across all our locations. That's right, we are really excited um, to celebrate people who have found life in Christ. And uh, man, I just wanna, I wanna take a second right here just to explain something. There's a question I often get asked. Um, Every now and then somebody will grab me in the lobby and they'll be like, man, Pastor Josh, why? Don't we do like altar calls at the end of the service where people walk down so they can make their faith public? And my response to that is, number one, because like that's not in the Bible. Like, like that, that, that thing right there's not in the Bible. Now here's what is in the Bible. In the Bible, the place where you make your faith public is baptism. That's the way that if you've been walking with Jesus and you like made a decision like, hey, I, I wanna follow Jesus the way you make your faith public is in baptism and by going underwater. And so I, I just want to say this, man. If you've been around Lake Point for a little while and you've been around four or five weeks or a few months and you're starting to realize, like, man, I, I want to follow that guy. And, and not me, not me, Jesus. You're like, I, I want to follow that guy. But what you need to do, the first thing that Jesus commands followers to do is to obey him in baptism, making their faith public. And I, you know, I just wanna say this, one of the things Jesus said to anybody that would follow him is, man, if anybody would follow me, they gotta take up their cross and follow me. And let me just say this, something that gentle but needs to be said is, if you won't follow him into water, I promise you won't follow him to a cross. And so, man, if that's a decision you've made, like, man, it's time. We want to celebrate that with you and hundreds of other people next week. And so if you've crossed that line of faith, you can just, like, right now, in obedience to Jesus, text the word LIFE to the number 20411. Text LIFE to 20411, and we can't wait to celebrate with you next week. All right, well, here's where we are. We are in week three of a series that we are just calling More Than Us. And we are in the middle of an initiative as a church called More Than Us, where we are seeking to raise the necessary resources. Track with me, because all these things are really important. So number one, expand our campuses so that we keep doing whatever it takes to reach people for Christ. Number two, to train hundreds of pastors. I'm gonna talk about that more later in the, uh, the message. To plant hundreds of churches in the United States and beyond. And then what, what really gets a lot of us fired up is to increase our missions efforts here and around the globe. Now. 
I just want to get ahead of something that that is a question I anticipated walking into this initiative is, man, I think a lot of people would ask the question, man, Josh, so why would a church like Lake Point that's growing rapidly and has its own needs, like why in the world would you give away an enormous portion of a resource initiative to help other churches fund other missions efforts and train leaders that will serve in other places? And the answer to that is really obvious to me. Because if we are going to reach all people for Christ, it's going to take more than us. We cannot be the only church, the only ministry, the only movement of God that is thriving. We need thousands of them all over the globe and we wanna leverage ourselves as people and as a church for something that is greater than ourselves and we're doing that in this initiative called More Than Us. Now, what I wanna do is right now, we want this series to be more than something that's like financial. Um, We want this to be a spiritual journey that we all kind of undergo, you know, together as we align to leverage ourselves to live for something greater than ourselves. So let me do this. I I wanna take this journey just real quick um, through a verse in Acts chapter 20. You're gonna start with me in Acts 20, 22, okay? Now, little background, what you got here. This passage was written by a guy named Paul. The apostle Paul leveraged his entire life to do two things, to train leaders and plant churches all over Rome. What we're reading right now is Paul, at the end of his life, he's going to, you're you're gonna see where he's going, he's going to a place where he realizes, man, I'm probably at the end of my rope, but God's calling me to go there, and so I'm gonna obey. He passes by this little place called Miletus, and he calls the elders from his favorite church he ever served at. He's like, hey, can y'all come over and pray with me one last time before I go uh, where I'm headed? These guys, these were like his ride or die. Like they come, they walk on foot 63 miles to visit Paul in this spot where we see this. And here's what Paul says, okay? He says this really interesting life verse for Paul. He says, and now, compelled by the Spirit. In other words, what he's getting ready to say, this is a calling of God. So God has told me to do this. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Now that's a big deal because Paul who is preaching Jesus is going to the place where Jesus was crucified just a few years earlier. But he's like, man, that's what God's telling me to do. So I'm I'm going to the most dangerous city for me in the world. I'm going to Jerusalem. And I don't know. He says, not knowing what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to turn out. But here's one thing. I do know just, just one thing. The only thing I know is that in every city, the Holy Spirit is warning me that prison and hardships are facing me. So that's the only thing I know. Now, you got to know, this is going to be important for later in this message. you got to know that Paul was very, very familiar with hardship, sacrifice, and pain. Later, it was in a book called 2 Corinthians. There's one time where Paul gives his resume like, man, here's why you should listen to me. And Paul's resume is not accomplishments, it's sacrifices. What he said, he's like, man, I've suffered more than anybody else for the gospel. He goes, man, man, I have, I've been beaten, you know, I, I've beaten, I've been, uh, I've received the 40 lashes minus one, that was like a death sentence. I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been stoned, not that kind of stoned, White Rock Campus, different kind of stone. And I've been stomped on all that stuff. All that stuff has happened to me. But he's like, man, but it was worth it for me. And so Paul's a guy who is familiar with pain. Now he's saying, the Spirit's telling me that's gonna happen to me again in Jerusalem. Now, if you're like me, you read the passage and you're like, well, hey, this is real easy. Then why would you go? Like, just don't do it, Paul. Here's what he says. He says, however, I consider my life, and the word life here is a placeholder word for everything. 
you know, my family, my experiences, my possessions, my income, everything I got. I consider my life, he says something really interesting, worth nothing to me. Now, pause. If you're anything like me, you read that and you're like, Paul, that's not true. Paul, you were made in the image of God. You are loved by God. You've got a calling and a purpose in your life. Your life is not worth nothing to you. So what in the world does Paul mean by that? Okay, now I wanna show you something. Now, real quick. I used this illustration three years ago, but like 80% of you weren't here, and of the people who were here that day, like 1% of you remember, so I'm doing it again, okay? Now, now watch this. Okay? Now, this, uh, <clears throat> years ago, I had this dog. This dog's name was Jack. Jack, now you guys tell me, is that a cute dog? No, that dog was terrible. This is a terrible, terrible dog. Jack, uh, Jack had uh, like puppy, little puppy mental illness. And so it made Jack really difficult. There's a couple things. One, and this, this sounds really gross, I'm just telling you reality. Jack had this thing where anytime that anything startled him and everything startled him, his bladder would release. And so like anytime like somebody opened a door, there was a mess to clean up. Anytime one of our kids like yelled or anything like that, mess to clean up. If somebody like even just moved suddenly, Jack like just released all over that. So it was just not fun. But the other thing Jack had going on is his puppy mental illness. It made him in his fear, he responded in his fight instinct, fight or flight, he went fight. And so Jack would just attack anything that made him scared. And so um, the older Jack got, the more and more aggressive he became until one day Jack crossed a line that you cannot uncross. Uh, Jack got scared and he bit and drew blood from our infant daughter that we had just adopted, Eliana. Okay, now, as soon as Jack did that, like there was like this fatherly rage that welled up within him. It was like, my eyes saw red, the sky went dark, I heard her voice, this is a finish him. You know, it's like everything just, all of a sudden I was like, ah. And so I immediately, as soon as he did it, I literally, I walked across the room. I picked up Jack by the scruff of his neck. I walked Jack over to our kitchen. I opened a drawer. I pulled out a long serrated knife. I walked into our backyard behind our shed so my children could not see. I pulled up Jack's head. I pulled, I'm just kidding, I didn't do that. That's a joke, man. That's a joke. That's a joke. Uh, but I did get rid of him that day. <laughs> I do wanna say that. Did get rid of Jack immediately. Now, some of you might hear that and you may go, man, Josh, you got rid of Jack just like that? Like just immediately, no ifs, ands, or buts? Was Jack worthless to you? And my response to that is no. Jack was not worthless to me, but in comparison to the value of my children to me, Jack's valuation looked worthless to me. Now, when Paul in this passage, when he says that he considered his life worth nothing, worthless to him, he's not saying that his life was literally worthless to him. He was saying in comparison to his valuation of something else, in comparison to that, his life looked worthless to him. Now, you may go, man, what in the world could be that valuable to somebody that their life would look worthless to them. Here's what Paul says. He says, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What task, you might say? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He says, man, in comparison to that, everything in my life, everything I am, everything I have, every, every breath I breathe, in comparison to that task, Everything else is worthless to me. And Paul lived like that. He lived his entire life 
leveraging everything he had to live for a purpose greater than himself. And because of that, Paul died one of the most meaningful, significant, and happiest people who ever lived. Now, what I want to do in the next, like, I got to do this quick. I want to convince you that that's the best way to live. I want to give you real quick, I want to give you three reasons to leverage everything you are, every breath you have, everything you receive for a purpose greater than yourself. That same task, okay? I'm gonna give you three reasons. I gotta go quick, okay? Number one, reason number one is you just gotta understand this. Reason number one is because everything you have belongs to God. Let me say that one more time. Everything. Everything you have belongs to God. Now, the Bible says this. uh, The Bible says in the book of James, this is that every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven above. So that means nothing you have ever received. The Bible also says, what do you have that you did not receive? Everything that we receive is a gift from God. And what that means is that it belongs to God. You know how I know this? Because I checked the statistics in this area and the death rate in the area where I live hovers right around 100%. It's always the same. Let me just say this in a real straightforward way. What, that's, that's your dog bark? I think I did. That's, that's like, I'm sorry, bro. I was talking about a different dog. Okay, now. <laughs> what, you, what this means, death rate, okay. <laughs> Let's deal with that. Let's deal with that. What this means, you track with me, death rate, 100%, all right? What this means, track with me, here's what this means. Everything that came to you that you think belongs to you, someday you're going in a hole and that's not gonna belong to you anymore. Every single person that is within the hearing of my voice, here's what's gonna happen to you. I don't care if it's bad news. I just wanna sober you up real quick. Here's what's gonna happen to you. Someday you're gonna die. They're gonna put you in a hole. They're gonna cover you with dirt. They're gonna cover you up, fill the hole. They're gonna go back to the church, eat potato salad and talk about what a great guy you were. And, that's gonna, and then after they're done with that, here's what's gonna happen. Your kids are gonna go back to your house and they're gonna rummage through all your stuff and they're gonna laugh at you and mock you for all the stuff that you just thought you had to have. They're gonna be throwing, going through your closet and be like, man, can you believe, look at these mom jeans. Can you believe she wore this? They're gonna be going, man, guys, look at this. Mom had a crop top, gross. From my kids are gonna rummage through, they're gonna go, oh my gosh, look at that skinny jeans from 2010. I can't believe he wore this, you know, that kind of thing. And then here's what they're, what they're gonna do. When they're done, you just gotta know this, everything's going to somebody else. Some other dude is gonna be playing golf with your clubs. And he's gonna be better than you. How you like that? He's gonna be better than you. And then after that, they're gonna take everything that they didn't want, which by the way, is gonna be 99.9% of what you own. They're gonna take everything they didn't want and they're gonna sell it in a garage sale, except if you're making bank, in which case they're gonna call it an estate sale, but it's the same thing. (laughs) It's the same thing. Everything that you thought belonged to you, there is coming a day when you're gonna be separated from it and it's not yours anymore. It doesn't belong to you. Everything you think you own is just on loan. It came from somewhere else. And for some reason, we get in this mentality that we think, we think, that God gave us this stuff for us, that it's like ours to do with whatever we want. Um, I got a, a 10-year-old daughter, uh, Eliana. Eliana, the other day, she asked me, you guys know what a poppet is? You know what a poppet is? Okay, a poppet, a couple people know what a poppet is. A poppet is a little fidget item, and all that is, that's a thing that's designed to make children dumber. That's what those are. And so, uh, so it's this little pop. So Eliana grabbed me a couple weeks ago, and she was like, Dad, will you buy me another poppet? And I was like, babe, you know, uh, we've already bought you some poppets, and so we are popping it up, girl. That's all we're doing right now. And so, you know, no, and she, she went, well, 
uh, what, Dad, but, but what if I use my money? And I was like, well, well hold on, babe. Hey, hey, hang on just a second. Hey, let me explain something to you. Um, you, you don't have, your tent, you don't have any money. See, like, like we have money, and sometimes we spend some of it on, on you, but you don't have any money, you're, you're 10. And she's like, well, well but, but Mimi gave it to me. Mimi gave me that money. I was like, oh, well, hang on, hold on, babe. Here's how this works. Do you know how every kid in the world gets a Mimi? Uh, through their mom and dad, you're welcome. You, you got that from us too, you're welcome. And she was like, oh, but, but, but dad, that money is in my room. I was like, oh, hang, hang on just a second. You don't have a room. We have rooms in our house and we let you sleep in one of them for just a few years until you get to about 18 and then you're gone for good and you ain't coming back. That's, that's how that works. Somebody's applauding over here. That's, we understand how that works. You, you see, everything you think you own is really just on loan. Can I speak to you in a really straightforward way? You don't have a house. God has a house and he has let you use it for a few years. You don't have a car. God has a car. And he has let you use it for just a little while. You don't have an income. God has an income. And he has let you use it for his purposes for just a little while. Can I say something with a bit of an edge? You don't have a life. God has granted you one life and he's given it to you to leverage for his purposes. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Number one, everything, everything, everything belongs to God. All right, here's reason number two to live a life more than us. It's because Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. <laughs> you guys know this? Like, you know, this, this is like my favorite song that's ever been written. Like, this is what I sing in my personal quiet times in the morning. My favorite song. Do you know what we don't sing? We don't sing, Jesus paid it all so I can do whatever I want. That's not what we sing. We sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I Oh, that's the math of grace. That's the math of grace. Now, now watch this. You gotta understand how this works. Um, years ago, there was a, a British pastor named Martin Lloyd-Jones. He is probably my favorite pastor to read that has ever lived. He lived, he was, like I said, in Britain, around London, Westminster area in the 18, 18 and 1900s. There was one time in a sermon that I read where Martin Lloyd-Jones asked his church the, the rhetorical question. He asked a question, what would be the appropriate response? What would you do if you came home from a trip and you discovered that your neighbor had paid an unpaid debt for you? And then he wisely, what he said is he said, hey, hey, the appropriate response to that question is, it depends how much the debt was for. And he pointed this out, he said, man, if you came home and you found out that you had an unpaid postage stamp, and your next door neighbor came over and slapped the 39 cents down or whatever it is and paid it for you, the appropriate response to that would be to pat him on the back and say, thanks, bro, thank you. But if you came home from a trip and you found out the IRS was there and they were there to collect on 10 years unpaid back taxes and they were about to repo everything you've ever owned and stick you in jail, separate you from your family, and then someone you love showed up and they fully paid your entire debt, do you know what you wouldn't do? You wouldn't pat him on the back and say, thanks, bro. You would fall on your knees and say, command me. Anything you want, what do you want from me? Guys, when we understand the price that Jesus paid to ransom us from sin, death, the devil, despair, doom, when we understand that, 
the only appropriate response is to fall to our knees and say, command me. Everything I am and everything I have is yours. In fact, I, I didn't get to this in Saturday. This just kind of popped in my head right now. Do you, do you guys understand? A lot of times we'll talk about the quote unquote Old Testament principle of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And a lot of times we'll go, oh, that's an Old Testament principle. It's not like that in the New Testament. Yes, it is. Jesus worked an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth backwards. He gave us his eyes, so we owe him ours. He gave us his hands, so we owe him ours. He gave us his life, so we owe him ours. In fact, the Apostle Paul just says in a really straightforward way, he just says it like this. He says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Everything you have. Jesus paid it all. So all to him we owe. That's reason number two. Now watch this. Reason number three, to live a life for more than us. It's the only way to be happy. <laughs> it's the only way to be happy. Now, what I just wanna say is, this is the literal exact opposite of what our generation believes about how to be happy. What our generation believes about how to be happy is we're like, man, the only way for somebody to be truly whole, truly fulfilled, truly like, you know, in tune with their inner child and truly like, you know, what's the language? Emotionally integrated. The only, the only way to be, be truly satisfied is to be completely and 100% true to yourself. That's the only way to do it. And so we say as men, our generation, it's about self-expression, self-care, self-love. You do you. We say things like, man, do what you want, not what you should. The only way to be happy is to be sold out for you. Can I just point something out to you? That's what we've done in our generation, and we are the angriest, loneliest, most depressed generation that's ever existed. That's a feedback loop telling us something is wrong with the system. Okay, now, by contrast, one of my favorite things to point out about the Apostle Paul is arguably nobody besides Jesus in the New Testament experienced more sacrifice than Paul, but this dude was like ridiculously, annoyingly happy. I mean, like for real, impossible to throw Paul off his happiness game. So like for real, this is what, this is what it was like to try to make Paul unhappy. Throughout his ministry, they'd be like, hey, Paul, um, hey, we're gonna put you in prison. He goes, great, I'm gonna convert your guards. You go, okay, hey, well, hey, Paul, if that's not gonna work, hey, then here's what we'll do. Paul, we're gonna torture you. Okay, well, I do not consider that the sufferings of this present world are worth being compared to the glory that will be revealed in me. Awesome, okay. Well, okay, fine, Paul, that's not gonna work. Hey, we're gonna kill you, all right? To die is gain. Okay, well, then Paul, we're gonna let you live. Great, to live is Christ. You know, it's like literally nothing you do to Paul can throw him off his happiness game. Do you know why that is? Because here's what Paul understood straight from the mouth of Jesus. Acts 20, 20, 35. More blessings come from giving than receiving. Paul knew that's the only way to be truly happy, that God designed you where your highest need, the greatest need in the human life is to leverage your life for something greater than yourself, something that matters in eternity. And you will never be happy, you'll never be satisfied until you're living for a purpose greater than yourself. Let, let, let me just say it like this. You guys understand, look around in this world and here's what you're gonna see. The happiest people in the world are not people who don't have any problems. Everybody's got problems. The happiest people in the world are people who are living for a purpose so much greater than their problems that it makes their problems worth it. See, this 
living for a purpose greater than yourself, it's the only way to be truly happy. Now, that leads us to what we are doing as a church. You just gotta know this, man. We are leveraging in this season for our church's future, we are leveraging everything we have to spark, we pray, a movement that does something far greater than just us. Now what I wanna do is I wanna show you why I believe what we are doing is the most intelligent and strategic way to leverage ourselves for a greater mission. Now here's how I wanna do it. I'm taking my, my preacher hat off for a second, put my leader hat on. So three years ago, when I came to Dallas for the first time to have an interview with the elders of Lake Point about come, becoming the senior pastor of our church, um, in the middle of that interview, uh, one of the elders just said, um, hey, Josh, um, we've you know, checked out kind of your church in Nashville, and they were like, man, everything's going great. Like, everything's going great there. The church is growing. Your best friends are your executive pastors. It's the church your dad planted so you've got some legacy there. And then he just asked a really straightforward question. He said, why would you ever consider leaving there to come here? And I immediately knew the answer to that question. I said, because I believe there is greater potential to change the world from Dallas, Texas, than any other city in America. Now, you may hear that and go, what, why, do you, why, do you, why do you think that? Now, let me just say this. I wanna show you my math, and I just wanna point out that I have literally staked the trajectory of my entire life on the answer to that question. I just wanna point that out. Now, here's how I wanna show you this. I wanna show you why I believe that by telling you the story of a kid that went to high school in Dallas in the 1970s. By the way, if you figure out what I'm doing in the next 30 seconds, you're not allowed to tell the person sitting next to you, okay? Kid, so here, a true story. Kid that's going to high school in Dallas in the 1970s. He's at church camp one summer and he feels this, this incredible, overwhelming sense from the spirit that God is setting him apart for ministry. He's being called to ministry. And so this kid in the 1970s, he like lets his youth pastor know at church camp, like, hey, I think God might be doing that in my life. Now, his youth pastor praise God. His youth pastor didn't do what a lot of churches do and just like mark it down as a tally on a sheet somewhere as a win and then never do anything else. His youth pastor instead went, hey, I wanna invest in you and fan that into flame. So he grabbed this kid and three other kids in the youth ministry and started meeting with them weekly to train them for future ministry. Now, he met with them for an entire year and he taught them how to do four things. How to write a devotional, how to baptize somebody, how to do hospital visits, and then he eventually made all four of those kids write their own sermon and prepare and give it to the church. And because of that hands-on training, this kid in the 1970s in Dallas, he developed this confidence like, man, maybe God actually could use me to lead a church someday. So he graduates high school, and when he graduates high school, he signs up for summer missions and goes up to Minnesota. Uh, now, he, the plan was for him to lead VBS for 10 weeks that summer. Unbeknownst to this kid, the senior pastor of that church had resigned the week before they got there. So when they show up, the pastor search committee is like, hey, uh, can any of y'all preach? And he was like, well, my youth pastor made me write three sermons. And they were like, great, you're up for the next three weeks. And so this kid, he ends up preaching all 10 weeks up in Minnesota. And so watch this. He first, he got this practical training 
Now he's getting deployed into hands-on ministry in the context of the local church, and he sees God using him in those gifts. So he develops an even greater confidence. Maybe God actually could use me to lead a church someday. So he finishes college, he gets a theological degree. When he finishes getting his Bible degree, that young kid eventually became the pastor of a church that at the time was averaging 57 people in average weekly worship attendance. Over the next 40 years, God would use that young man to lead a church that would see more than 17,000 baptisms and reach a weekly worship attendance of more than 12,000 people. And that young man was our founding pastor, Steve Stroop. (laughs) That's who that was. Now, can I just point this out to you? Here's the question we are asking as a church. How do we raise up the next thousand Steve Stroops? Because if we were able to do that, if we could raise up leaders like that, we could change the trajectory of a nation. You know, what we're doing right now in More Than Us, among other things, is one of the things we're doing is setting aside a minimum of a million dollars as seed money for what we hope will eventually become a Lake Point School of Ministry that trains the future leaders and pastors of the church in America. Can I just point something out to you? The reason God, we saw see happen in Steve's life, what happened is because when he got called to ministry, first he got deployed into actual practical ministry training and then he got positioned to do hands-on ministry in the context of a healthy local church. And what we are doing, this is what we are doing, is we want to launch something that trains leaders like that. I want you to hear it from Pastor Steve's mouth. And so check this out with me. More Than Us is the radical, faith-filled initiative upon which Lake Point is embarking over the next three years that'll provide the resources necessary to do three things. Now, some of which will benefit other churches and ministries all over the globe because guys, to reach all people for Christ, it's gonna take more than us. Now, the three things that More Than Us will provide the resources necessary for is number one, to expand our rapidly growing campuses to reach more people for Christ in the DFW area. More Than Us will fund the launch of our soon forthcoming North Dallas campus, the relaunch of our White Rock campus, and Lake Point's first ever international campus in Victoria, Mexico. Secondly, we'll be investing significantly in expanding our local, national, and international missions partnerships. Partnerships like the 48 churches Lake Point has planted in the hardest to reach cities in America, the 20 international church partners we support in 11 countries, and the dozens upon dozens of local mission partners we have meeting needs all throughout the Metroplex. Now, finally, And maybe the thing I'm most excited about, we will be resourcing and improving our existing campuses and then leveraging them to launch a ministry training program we hope will become a Lake Point School of Ministry that answers this question. How do we raise up a thousand leaders like our founding pastor, Steve Stroop? You know, one of the things that I've learned about ministry is that it's important to do ministry. That's called addition. Whenever I share Christ with one person, that person comes to faith, that's great. But if that's all I'm doing, uh, the world's growing too fast and there's too many people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ for us just to add by addition. What we need to do is we need to get into multiplication. 
And the only way that you do that is you equip the leaders of tomorrow to do the same. There was a pastor in our church who pulled those of us who had made a commitment to vocational service together and said, I just want to pour into you guys. And so he taught us how to baptize. He taught us how to make a hospital visit. He, he taught us how to write a devotional and eventually taught us how to write a message and then gave us the opportunity to actually to deliver that message to our home church. From time to time, someone will come to me and they will say, uh, I'm thinking about going into ministry. What should I do to prepare? I say is find somebody who's already been there, someone who would invest in you, hang around them and learn leadership. One of the greatest privileges I ever have as a pastor is seeing someone else who's on that journey and, and finding them along that journey and sharing with them what I know and where I've been. My wife and I have been at Lake Point for just over 25 years. Pastor Steve was a mentor to me. Uh, he helped develop me. And so when I think about the opportunity we have to pour into students just like Pastor Steve was poured into and to develop them, can you imagine if we were able to develop more Steve Stroops, more people like that that could go and lead in our nation, in our world, that's how you change a culture. We have an opportunity, a chance here to really train up a generation to understand the Word of God and then to speak it, to live it out. What's great about the School of Ministry is they'll be able to do that with seasoned leaders in the church. And so we'll walk with them in different ministries. They'll get a taste for just about everything at the church. We're giving an opportunity for my kids, your kids, your grandkids to discover their calling and really figure out how to lead out in ministry in a church context. I really believe in my heart that a spirit-filled leader is the key to a movement. And if we don't provide a leadership pipeline for tomorrow, then we will not win the battle that God has called us to win. Now what that has looked like over the, the years has changed because now I realize the best way for me to do that is to care for the generation to come and to pour into them because what that means is that that expression of concern then is multiplied. It's a part of what God did for us in Christ Jesus. He came and walked with those disciples and poured into them for three years and then he set them free and they literally changed the world. And I think he's calling us to do that again. To love others is not only just to love them myself and tell them about the love of Christ, but to make sure that there are others who are equipped to do so. Now, again, I just, I wanna connect some dots for us as a church right now, okay? So, so here's how these things fit together in what we're doing in this season of our church's life. So Lake Point Church, that, that's us, is now we have a church where we see people uh, meet Christ and discover their callings, and, and many of whom, about 100 per year, experience a calling to ministry every year in Lake Point Church. And now what we're getting ready to do is, is launch this thing called the Lake Point School of Ministry, Ministry Training Program to prepare them to go lead and be deployed. And then we have this, this third thing that you've heard us mention, the Strategic Launch Network, that's Lake Point's church planting network that started 
50 churches in some of the hardest to reach urban centers in America. And these three things really form what, what we're calling like vertically aligned organizations. This feeds into this, which feeds into this, and it gives us the ability for this to be an epicenter for blanketing our nation with churches reaching people who need Christ everywhere. Now, um, let me land a plane here. My fear sometimes is that when you hear us talk about things like church planting, that you're like, man, that's for other people. Like, man, you know, that's not for me. I'm glad other people are doing it. I don't have anything to do with that. You have everything to do with that. Um, years ago, in the 1700s, there was a man named William Carey that moved his family to India and planted churches in India for 41 years and leveraged his entire life to live for something more than himself. A lot of people know William Carey's name. A lot of people don't know that right before he left for India, he turned to a friend, a man, a man named Andrew Fuller that was a deacon at his church. And he said this sentence. He said, I will go into the pit if you will hold the rope. He knew that he was gonna sacrifice tremendously for the cause of Christ. And he looked at Andrew Fuller and he said, hey, you're not called to go, you're called to stay, but you're called to do something. I'll go into the pit if you'll hold the rope. And by that, he was asking Andrew Fuller to raise the resources necessary to support him, his family, and the churches he would plant in India for the next 41 years. And together, they sparked a movement. Now, you may not know this. In fact, just walking around Lake Point, sometimes I, you know, I talk to people and I'm like, man, these people have no idea the size of the movement that they're a part of right now. So let me help you. Um, this guy, his name is Chris Causey. Chris Causey moved to the Boston area to plant Encounter Church in 2015. And guys, the planters that Lake Point sends, like they're studs. I mean, it's like cream of the crop. These guys could be doing other things, making more money and having more success elsewhere, but they feel called to do this. Chris Causey has a background and a degree in biochemistry. Um, he's in Boston, so we can say he's wicked smart. That's what we could say. And uh, he moved to Boston in 2014, planted Encounter Church in 2015, and just immediately started seeing opposition because of the city that he was starting a church in. And so they were meeting in a school. The school board immediately started receiving plaints about a Christian church meeting in their school, and they were evicted and, quote, this is the school board's language, banished from all school properties. And that man, Chris Causey, persevered year after year after year. And right now, Encounter Church sees 250 people every week worshiping Jesus because he persevered. And now listen, listen. Chris Causey has said to Lake Point Church, I'll go into the pit if you will hold the rope. Let me do another one. This is James Roberson and his precious family. James Roberson was one of our church planters that moved to Brooklyn in 2014 to start the Bridge Church. Um, they planted seven years ago, and guys, they have seen like this incredible move of God for the gospel and racial reconciliation in their area. It's an incredible move. But obviously, these cities where we plant churches, they're extremely high-cost cities, 
And so when James moved there, all what his family could afford was his four-person family was a 600-square-foot apartment that was more than $3,000 a month in Brooklyn, and that was, that was years and years ago. And so James, when COVID happened, um, his city wasn't super helpful to churches. And, uh, and in that area, um, because of some of the hostility and opposition, um, the Bridge Church was restricted from meeting for more than 17 months, 17 months. And James and his family just stayed huddled up, really unable to leave that 600 square foot apartment for 17 months, struggled emotionally in that isolation, hard time. Now they're on the other side. We just got word they got their first permanent facility they're moving into right now up in New York City in Brooklyn. That's right, we're excited about that. But, but watch this, watch this. James Roberson has said to Lake Point Church, I will go into the pit if you will hold the rope. Okay, last one. This is one of my favorite people. His name's Mark Lee. Um, Mark uh, launched Vantage Point Church in Eastvale, California, outside of LA in 2008. And again, just saw an amazing move of God, like immediately started seeing tons of people coming to know Christ. And because of that movement and through the help of Lake Point, um, uh, Vantage Point Church started years ago, three or four years ago, started building, get, get this, the first ever church building in that city. Like that city had literally never had a church building in the city ever before. Um, but again, because of some of their biblical convictions and, and you know what they, what they preach, they received opposition from the city where they were in. Um, the city required them to put in a $1 million water matriculation system that does, does absolutely nothing. Uh, they, they were required to do four burrowing owl studies on their property, you know. Um, they had to pay these uh, different uh, areas, uh, different groups of people in the area, $1,000 a day in case an artifact was found. The city was just coming up with reasons to keep them from being able to do what they wanna do. So much so, the city forced them to design a building for their church that all 60,000 residents of the city would be able to shelter in in case of a tsunami. It was just reason after reason to stop them from doing what they were doing. But they persevered, it took years. Now they're finished and right now, Vantage Point Church sees 1,800 people worshiping Jesus every week in that building that receives so much opposition. Now watch this. Mark Lee, Mark Lee has said to Lake Point Church, I will go into the pit if you will hold the rope. And guys, dozens and dozens, and we pray hundreds more will go if Lake Point Church will hold the rope through our generosity, which brings me to more than us. Hey, right now, um, we're getting ready to move into, now listen, this is continued worship. Um, I know many of our families have been praying about God, what God would have your family give above your normal giving over the next three years to more than us that will fund all of these projects in this initiative. And so as the buckets come by, you can drop your upfront gift to more than us and your three-year commitment with your card in the buckets as they come by. And we're gonna do that here in just a second. So that, that's number one. Now, if you're newer with us or you know, just kind of the last couple weeks, um, here's what I'm asking. I'm asking every family in our church to take this and just pray about God, what God would have your family do for more than us over the next three years above our normal giving so that we can all be a part to have the privilege of what God is doing. So 
If that's you, you need to take that home, continue praying. Next week's your last week, that's the last chance. Now we're also, this is also the spot in our service where we're gonna give our normal tithes and offerings as the buckets come by. And so you can drop those in there. If you want to give to more than us online, you can simply visit lakepoint.church slash more than us, and you can make your gifts and commitments there. But we all, we just, we, we want all of us to be a part of this move, to have the privilege of being a part of what God is doing. So right now I'm gonna ask our ushers and our ushers only to stand up and come forward. I'm gonna ask you Lake Point Church to stay seated until the worship team stands you. Worship with us right now, both as we give and as we sing. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.